Hello, Internet. You are now experiencing technical difficulties. This is Greg, and I'm joined by Dan, Ethan, and Noah. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Today, we aren't playing anyone but ourselves. I mean, basically, yes. Uh, yeah. We are doing a table chatter today uh, because I got a email a few weeks ago uh, from a person at Modifius who was inquiring if we were interested in a review copy of Fallout in Dune. And I said we would be interested, and I'd be glad to give it a read and talk about it. And uh, yeah. Dan, Ethan, and Noah have also read one book or the other, so I thought it'd be we'll helpful both. to have a little roundtable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought a good starting point, because both of these are, um, (laughs) both of these are licensed property RPGs, and that's been such a huge cornerstone of the RPG community, but we haven't really covered a lot of them on TechDiff. I thought it might be a good starting point to talk about our relationship with both RPGs based on IPs, and then our relationships with Fallout and or Dune. Mm-hmm. So, like, just to start, um, I didn't really know a lot of uh, RPGs based on IPs existed before I really got into the hobby. Like, growing up, I didn't know, like, TMNT and other Stranges existed, even though I was a huge TMNT fan. Mm. Didn't know, like, the Marvel RPGs or DC Heroes existed. So, uh... I, even though I was huge into comics and like in comic shops and stuff all the time, I just, this part of the fandom never occurred to me. Um, mm. And honestly, the only ones I've actually played thus far, we, when we played leverage for tech diff or listening to other people, uh, other podcasts like drunk and ugly play leverage. Um, this is honestly kind of a weak spot in my knowledge of the hobby. Uh, I've never read Dune. So I'm also a bad nerd as well. <laughs> I've never encountered Dune in any fashion. Haven't seen the mo- the first movie or the upcoming movie, obviously. Haven't read any of the books, all that jazz. Uh, I'm also a bad nerd because I haven't played the interplay fallouts. I have gotten halfway through three on my PS3. I started New Vegas, but my computer wasn't powerful enough to run it. So I stopped and I actually started playing Fallout 4 just before I was contacted by Modifius. And um, I'm about two-thirds the way in 78 hours <laughs> into the game. Hmm. Uh, enjoying my time, but we'll be talking more about Fallout 4 tonight. Because <laughs> that's yeah. the game the ba- book is based on. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Dan, your experience with IP RPGs and Fallout and Dune. I'm trying to remember any IP RPGs I actually played and enjoyed. Um, And I'm drawing a blank. Of course, I also started playing RPGs in the 80s, and it was D&D or a small number of other things. And I tried the small number of other things (laughs) because (laughs) D&D... <laughs> Second edition advanced was okay, but they still had Thaco. Yes. <laughs> among other issues. Um Yeah, I I I skimmed through both of the books. I 
kind of concentrated on the how to run them sections and the uh, the scenario and whatnot. And really, these read like if you're brand new to an RPG, here's what you do kind of books. Yep. <laughs> and that's not a that's a good thing. Um, but maybe not the sort of thing we would necessarily be directly looking for. Hmm. Next. Mm-hmm. Have you played Fallout or Red Dune? Oh, good points. Yes, I've read Dune uh, actually twice. Once was entirely on one flight from Dallas because oh. of weather many oh, years ago. Wow. wow. It was old. <laughs> okay, it was also on the way down, but still, it was a <laughs> long damn one day trip. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, Fallout, I've I played through three. I've played through a lot of four. I started the first one at some point. And then, you know, something else shiny caught my eye. <laughs> so, I mean, I I like the kind of snarky ideas behind Fallout. Um, but also, I feel like the, the post-apocalyptic kind of genre has really been filled in really well by red markets. And it's like, well, why not? Why not just hack that? But anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Ethan, your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I basically played the games that we've played uh, with uh, TechDiff, which has not been a lot of licensed stuff. Um, I want to say I've read a couple of licensed games. I'm trying to think. Um, oh, actually, you know what? Call of Cthulhu. I just wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, it's arguably a licensed game. Well, it is in in the. It's. I'd say it's similar in insofar as it's trying to emulate a pre-existing literary uh, mm-hmm. corpus or form. Mm-hmm. So that makes mm-hmm. it kind of puts it in the same uh, category as as uh, licensed games. Although, since it is based on stuff that's not like heavily managed by a corporation, unless this you count Chaosium itself. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same sort of uh, connect lurks. It's not. It's not exactly encumbered by the same sort of uh, like very financial very financial concerns or IP concerns that might affect a a, a game from a more prominent IP. <laughs> yes, yeah. Call of Cthulhu is not Fancy Flight Star Wars, right? Oh yeah, I guess or even would... West End Star Wars, which I did in fact <laughs> play once. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess once. Fantasy Flight Star Wars does count. I've been playing that game for several years. Yeah, you should count that. That definitely <laughs> yes. counts. Yes. yes, one of the biggest franchises in the world. Yes, you should probably count that. Whoops, Daisy. <laughs> oh, oh, I played Fallout One and Two uh, way back when, uh, and uh, none of the none of the later ones though. Uh, and I've read the first Dune book. And tried to read the second Dune book and quit after two chapters. I, I don't understand. There's only one Dune book. <laughs> I think been, you're right. I've been hearing a running theme uh, that a lot of people appreciate the first Dune book and the later Dune books, either by Frank or by his son, are a mixed bag to be magnanimous. Um, so, so yeah, um, I think for me, Noah, hi. Uh, like like I said, the the FFG Star Wars is probably like the biggest like licensed game I remember playing. Um, I have the Dresden books. Oh, uh, right, I have those. I've never opened them. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, you know, I flipped through mine, um, but I've I've never played it. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think anything else that would be like close to a license is something that kind of started in this space already. So mm-hmm. like like Warhammer is probably the other like it could probably be considered a license now, but at the time it certainly wasn't. It's you know, hey, do you want to play as like one of these little dudes on your war game table? You go right ahead. Here's the book for it. That kind of deal. Um and as far as like Fallout goes, I'm a big Fallout fan. I especially like New Vegas, I think is the best of the recent crop of games three is okay i have fiddled around with one and two but i think they are so far before my time uh so to speak like i think they came out when i was like 10 and not really messing around with a lot of pc games at the time Mm -hmm. um i i i totally recognize their worth and their importance and very much the original aesthetic and sort of um tone they were going for that has sort of become uh, more and more like palatable I guess is a nice way of putting it when you get to like Fallout 4 and 76 um, and they kind of change the overall tone of of Fallout and sort of like the political messages that are in that game Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then Dune uh i have i've made it about halfway through the first book um and i've seen the 84 lynch movie and read a bunch of like wikipedia articles that's about as far as i got with do but my recommendation is be stuck on a plane for four hours on the runway oh yes plus do it i think i'll just sleep thank you (laughs) that that'll get you through it Um, there's only so much sleeping you can do on a plane. That's true. That's that true. true. Um, I think we'll start with fallout and we'll start with Dune, but to kind of cross over, I did forget one IPRPG that I have. I've only read through briefly, but I've collected because I'm a huge fan of the IP. And that is the street fighter storytelling game by <laughs> one white wolf. Um, the reason, <laughs> yeah. The, the laughter is real. Um, Craig, no. <laughs> uh, but the reason why I do want to bring it up is the street fighter game. When white wolf was making it was right around when two was out. So Capcom didn't really have that much lore beyond the games. There wasn't any side characters. There wasn't anything about that. So White Wolf added a lot (laughs) to the games of their own original creation. And I'm not sure it was great. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say it is not. It is very not. No, it's it's pretty bad. We need to, we need you to run it sometime for us, Craig. I, I do. No, yes. no, we don't. It's actually <laughs> yes, okay if he doesn't. Yes, we do. April. Uh, but <laughs> I can find worse games if you need. But I mean, we don't have to. If we're gonna go bad, we should go really bad. But the connection here being, uh, White Wolf was having to make a lot of stuff whole cloth to fit into the Street Fighter universe for a role playing game. Did it work? Not Gosh, really. Why? Um, Whereas Fallout in Dune 
and also what I've seen because I have at least skimmed through Star Trek Adventures and um, the Conan RPGs. Uh, Modifius, at least it seems like, they are really trying um, as part of their design model to emulate this source material really closely. Um, I do think they succeed in that. I'm... It's going to take play to determine how well that works and translates to fun at the table, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. Um, As Dan was alluding, uh, especially for Fallout, these books also seem really designed to be your first RPG if you've either never played an RPG before or you've only played D&D and you want to expand and you're getting into this game because you love the IP. Yeah, like I definitely think that's that's their their modus operandi here is like, hey, hey there, nerd consumer, you like Fallout? Well, here's Fallout on a tabletop. Go nuts, create your own stories because it takes us years upon years to actually crank out a game, <laughs> and being Bethesda. It's not going to play very well. Yeah, um, and it's and it's going to be Skyrim again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely think as so talking about the Fallout book, I definitely think you are correct. I think Modifius does a very good job in sort of emulating, especially the the Fallout Four aesthetic um, for the book. Like it looks very much like a lot of the menus. I know a lot of the art that is in this book is. A just lot. like concept art from those games, like because I, being the sap that I am, buy special editions that come with art books, hey. and I recognize plenty of these, like especially like a uh, cityscape sort of pieces as being from from the concept art for those like three and four primarily. I don't know if I should be surprised, but I I did recognize some stuff from New Vegas. There's, and a there's little bit a from little 76. Bit yeah. Um, um, uh, New Vegas is actually not made by Bethesda. If you're not familiar, it's made by a company called Raven, which is now no. promptly a... Obsidian. It's made by oh, Obsidian, Obsidian, who are former Interplay people. So, at least at the time of New Vegas's creation, it's, uh, I think, Interplay, Black Isle, then... Obsidian. I want to say that's that's the lineage. That sounds there. right. Right. Um, and didn't, didn't they right move on? Did some of them move on to work on Wasteland too? Um, there's some people from Interplay, I think. On uh, In Exile, I guess is what they're called. Yeah, they, they went and called. made like In Exile, like that whole yeah, like late '90s sort of uh, PC scene. A lot of those companies, especially when they kind of went under, a lot of them went out and started making their own companies to basically try and make the same thing that they were making, which, you know, to varying degrees of success. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, new Vegas is, is the one kind of, um, especially for like fans of like older fallout games, you'll hear them talk about out of the new games of like three new game, new Vegas four and 76. New Vegas is the one that like those older fans like more because it has a lot more of that older style tone. You mm. visit sort of more related places to those older games, that kind of deal. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the thing I will add about it being very much your first RPG, if it's not your, uh, your first RPG, it's also laid out very non-judgmentally, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually, especially if you're familiar with RPGs, you usually skip right past the how to RPG section. Uh, but it seems like they do a really good job here. They do a even better job with the, uh, game mastering section and talking about like safety and consent. Mm-hmm. Um, in like, if this is your first RPG, it's making you not feel like, Oh, how can you not know what this is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talking about the, the sort of order of operations of this book, it's kind of interesting that chapter one is core rules and chapter two is combat. And then chapter three is character creation. <laughs> right. Um, Which, definitely... considering how many skills and things they crammed into the system to make it like Fallout 4, is semi-understandable. Oh, totally. Yeah. It definitely seems like having those core rules in combat at the front of the book definitely adds a little bit of an ease of access. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it also feels like it, they're tipping their hand as far as like, this is the kind of game you should be playing. Well, uh, I mean, it's fair. If this is the kind of game they had envisioned when they wrote it, that's it's more like this is the kind of game this will work well for. Yes. Yeah, totally. Which is, a, a, I think, a more positive way to say that. And I'm not great yeah. at saying positive things, so let's just go with that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I can also see it as like a, it's easy to throw in, throw your players into a game because you just have to have them read like the first 30 pages if yep. you're familiar with Fallout, you have some familiarity with the skills. That was my and other thing is that they didn't need to go gens and you're good to go. Right. They didn't need to go into all the depth of the background because probably if you've picked this one up, at least one of you has played a lot of Fallout. Mm-hmm. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also with these rules, um, I don't think we've done any 2D20 system. Uh, on the pod, at least. I don't know if you've encountered any of them, uh, Noah or Dan. Not so much. And I don't really have a good feel for how the the action point thing flows in actual play. Presumably it works. But reading yeah. it, it's like, I'm not sure how this would... It seems like you need to have action points to do anything complicated. It, uh yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about system. I have some, I have some thoughts about it. <laughs> I, I'm not sure we're quite there yet. But. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, w- I will say um, that in translating the video game to the tabletop, a lot of like using action points. That's kind of that's actually like very much old, like one and two Fallout. Mm-hmm. You need action points to actually carry out your actions mm-hmm. on like the. Uh, Basically, the order of operations in like combat and stuff like that in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they, they have something similar in Dude with Momentum. Okay. okay. So I think it's part of their 2D20 system, as near as I can tell, without having actually read any other stuff. Yeah, right. it seems like it's core. They just core renamed it to system. be compatible with Fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is appropriate. Yeah, totally. Um, I definitely think uh, just kind of going through the book as... Um, Boy, do I really hope you like charts and <laughs> and uh, spreadsheets 
upon <laughs> spreadsheets of and very fine gradation of skills. Yes. Yes. Uh, so much that stuff. You're somehow expecting everyone to remember what the differences are. Yeah. Um, there's there's certainly an aspect that is like there's a reason that a computer handles all of this. <laughs> Correct. Uh huh. Correct. Um, and you know, if you are the kind of person that wants to tackle that in pen and paper, or probably pencil and paper, just because you're probably going to be erasing so much, <laughs> um, more power to you. But that is not the kind of game I am looking for. <laughs> mm. Um. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, they do a pretty decent breakdown of like the Fallout universe, as far as like, hey, what's what's up with America, and then Voltec, and then the Commonwealth, which is where the core book is is set. But mm-hmm. um, if you're familiar with Fallout, you can probably run it anywhere that's been described in Fallout. If you're, yeah, yeah. if you're really the Voltec stuff is among among the most interesting thing in there. Really, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the horrible thing they were doing. Interesting. Oh yes, yeah. I don't. That was know. kind of good <laughs> right um they also have a minis based rpg version of the game but that hmm. came out first yeah, um, they do? i haven't played mm-hmm. it but i've seen it played at, uh or at gen con uh, are you talking about the board game yes okay i'm not sure i would consider that an rpg or a version of this well it's a it's a minis based game made by modifius that's Okay, I didn't know that Fallout they were the ones. I want to say there is some actual compatibility, or they're releasing like some compatibility info. Yeah, it did not that. get good reviews. Yeah. Uh, I guess more my point was, I believe they're about to put out a new Vegas book, and I'm assuming minis and stuff for the minis yeah. game. So mm-hmm. if they support this, like they've, say, supported Star Trek Adventures, which has had numerous books uh i would assume at some point there might be a new vegas book maybe there might there might be a west virginia book there might even be a interplay game book who knows yeah who knows? i mean uh I, I would almost say like just doing like a west coast a midwest and then a an east coast like splat book might be a better way to go but you know well, I probably they want to pop out as many books as possible. I was gonna, I was gonna say branding it New Vegas is gonna sell a lot more books than right. just calling it the West. <laughs> True. True. The one thing I will say is that um, again, something we'll also get into in equipment, which we're gonna get into soon. Um, this is f- Fallout for the RPG. That includes uh, the, the uh, well, no, that also includes the location section. Um, yeah, if you haven't finished tables. Fallout 4, uh, there's there's spoilers in there. Mm-hmm. There's some massive, massive spoilers in the Commonwealth section that kind of wish I'd known they were going to spoil. Well, but say, pres- me. presumably, they got it. I mean, they got to either leave the stuff out or assume that you've finished Fallout 4 and. Probably it makes for a better book just to assume that you finished Fallout 4 so they can talk about that. No, stuff. it does. It does. Yeah. But uh was not expecting to see. Because you're also not necessarily playing the uh Soul Survivor, the player character in four or your PCs, but Presumably you're not, because there's more than one of you. Hmm. Yes, yes. So you could be a soul survivor thing. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I guess I do. I do like that they give you options to play, like you know, a wastelander, a ghoul, a super mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a Mister Handy, which I think is a little surprising, but indeed. Uh, Surprise! Yeah, not synths. Uh, uh, yeah. Aren't there? Uh, uh, they're they're not a playable class at the moment, but that anyone else in the game knows. But if the GM's creative, correct? Yes, totally. Um, Which would be the appropriate way to use those things. Uh, one thing that does concern me a little bit. Uh, I am very glad you can play as ghouls, super mutants, and robots. You can only play as humans in the uh, traditional games. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing we'll talk about, especially with equipment. Uh, some of the choices that they make in the game, I understand why they made them because they're mimicking the game. But like one of the traits for the super mutant is that your strength, and endurance are always increased by several levels and Mm -hmm. your intelligence and charisma are both reduced by half and you can't have uh you can't go up past a certain rank in either of those stats which makes me feel like how Back in D anD D, they used to limit orcs and yeah. um, the connotations that well, can have. I can understand well, if, if you're why coming from D anD D, this right. might be more natural to you. Correct. That's true. Because you're also, that. There's there's definitely super mutant characters in super mutant characters in Fallout history that are like very astute, very you know, obviously like. Like a, a normal human that that can you know fully express themselves and all this sort of stuff. There's a character in New Vegas who uh, is voiced by Worf himself, um, mm-hmm. and he comes from like the one I think the second game, uh, and he shows up in in New Vegas. So like there, yeah. and he has created like a little colony for all these super mutants and they are all, you know, perfectly fine. Like they're not especially stupid or anything like that. At least yep. not, not any almost stupider like, than, than of your average wastelander. Right. It's, it's almost like being raised in a civilized condition helps you refine your ability to think about things in a civilized way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. The thing is though, when you're presenting those things as player character options, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you have to consider it from a balance standpoint, yep. sure. and you have sure. to make you have to make it. Uh, you, well, you generally need a drawback so people can't power game. Correct. It doesn't it, have to be you know. Big guys are dumb. <laughs> Smart guys are weak. If, if <laughs> overpowered in combat is is balanced by other things to do, but there's still definitely going to be a combat in the system. Then I guess you could bal- you could yeah. balance it. But you know what? Balancing things isn't as as great as one might think in a lot of situations, which 13th Age, I think, really realized. And they just leaned into it. Yeah, (laughs) wizards can blow up a lot of stuff. Well, fighters have a lot of cool things they can do, but wizards can blow up a lot of stuff. (laughs) So, and that's fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's the nature of the material. Yeah. This game strikes me as being uh, designed in a a, a pretty, like, trad gamey oriented 
style though like very mm-hmm. like game balance matters you want your different you want all your options to have some sort of uh mechanical like specific mechanical effect i kind of want to say that they went too close to the source material of the game rather than sticking with mostly the fiction and making it more playable right like well um a huge thing so in the games cable. is the perks which it's not as big in three, but in New Vegas and four, it's a huge part of the game. And, and, and in one and two. In one and two. <laughs> I mean, they um, even squeezed in the magazines and books. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't quite taste right. You know, it's just doesn't, it works in a video game, but this is a little weirder. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I find but, it. In- <laughs> you, you, your character in the game gets one of the magazines and then the GM puts a little uh, hourglass on the table and says, this magazine effect only lasts for this long. <laughs> but, then at level, but then at level up, you get to permanently up your stat. Yeah, but what if the pizza comes while the timer is running? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta, gotta work fast. They should have auto-saved. <laughs> yeah, uh, they go. even go far enough to make certain storyline based perks into perks uh including dog meat where one of your perks is actually an animal companion who is yeah. the game's mm-hmm. best companion dog meat uh and then they actually made the mysterious stranger perk yeah man what is looking this, at that what does the mysterious stranger perk do let me see um so in the original interplay games and then in some of the later games, especially for, uh, if you up the mysterious stranger perk, there is a random chance that a man in a trench coat and fedora and with a very high powered handgun will just randomly appear and randomly shoot your opponent for massive damage. Oh, <laughs> and they just wrapped that into the game. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You can spend a luck point. And at any time in the scene, the GM must have the mysterious stranger show up and he will take a shot <laughs> for massive damage, potentially. Wow. Which, you know, if you were trying to balance things out, there you go. That's out the window now if you've got that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I assume all the perks are reasonably overpowered like that, or probably not, actually. But yeah. I was, I was going to say, anytime you see a giant, long alphabetical list of perks, AKA feats, there is going to be power gaming potential in there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You're going to be able to min-max the shit out of your character by picking the right combinations. They do... There are only certain ranks you can take in some of them. Like, you can't actually improve Mysterious Stranger. In 4, you can improve your odds of him appearing more often. Uh, well, you don't need to. Not. You just have to spend luck points this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always <Fair>. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think it is impressive how they managed to actually squeeze in like every perk icon on next mm-hmm. to every description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Making the entire thing take up like eight pages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering how sprawling this is, they did a great job of somehow making all that stuff fit. Yeah, if you're if you want to play Fallout Four without actually playing Fallout Four, this would be the way to do it. If you have enough people that were willing to read enough of this and like charts as well as you do, Mm -hmm. yeah. All those, Um, all the little, all the little Pit Boy 
illustrations have always been like the best part of Fallout. So yes. yep. <laughs> glad they got as many of them in here as they can. And the design aesthetic of just, that's just, <laughs> no. But yeah, of course. <laughs> and then a big part of Fallout, and especially Fallout 4, uh, let's get it, let's just knock it out, is currency and equipment. Oh boy. It's the yeah. shopping game. A thing much better handled with abstract systems or I don't know, computer games. So I got to I got to the two and a half page uh uh list of 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 uh food. It's <laughs> just all different kinds of food. <laughs> two and a half pages of a single of a line by line list food. of food. Yep. <laughs> and all they do is just heal you for different amounts of hit points. And I'm like, Red Why? Markets has rations. <laughs> um, yes. So, as I'm currently playing Fallout 4, I can say with almost 100% certitude, not Noah or other Fallout players might be able to correct me, um, every single item in Fallout Force item list, except for junk, which is mm-hmm. used in Fallout Force extensive crafting system. So that is admittedly several hundred more items that are not in this book. And Good. the cryolator are the only mm-hmm. things that are not in this book in any form. Yeah. <laughs> which the cryolator I, I, I is weird because it is a kind of key item in fallout 4 it's a freeze gun uh, uh-huh. which is more that. related because your character is frozen for several hundred uh-huh. years uh yeah. and that is there, in the it, vault that your character was in so it is mm-hmm. a, do they have the the um crafting for like building up your your i guess uh, what do you call it your living your your town your 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 settlement whatever uh they built into the game. i don't remember seeing that and that's good because it became a pain in the arse in the game with with the they don't have it in the RPG, but if because I I think that's something better handled through story rather than by mechanical means for oh get these parts build this thing add building people will show up it's like <laughs> that's fine in a computer game but here it just yeah no. Like, I mean, I think a lot of it is just, like, how thoroughly they go into all the locations, especially in Fallout 4, Mm -hmm. and how you can use that to make a settlement. Uh, I also think a lot of it is based on how Fallout is especially concerned with, like, dungeon crawling and finding loot. So, like, it's not explicitly codified into the game that you're fort building or base building like in four but that's kind of the quest line slash uh cycle of gaming that they want you to do in fallout the rpg yes well i mean fallout is a walk in the three and four and, and to some extent new vegas are wandering around finding new stuff that's cool simulators more so than role-playing simulators because you don't get to make that many choices but you do get to be surprised by oh there were cannibals in fairfax how interesting in the game just to be clear very discovery based uh, yeah and um 
so Fallout. this will probably be the same sort of experience because no game master can keep coming up. Yeah, so so to me at least, Fallout, especially with like three and New Vegas, has always felt more of like a Mad Max simulator. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you're the guy who sh- shows up in town and solves everybody's problems or causes more problems or <laughs> what have you. Um, and then, you know, you learn a lesson, you get some some sort of reward for it, and then you're on your way to the next town to mess up. Um, four very much took on a, hey, you're going to help rebuild the post-apocalypse, which probably the biggest reason I don't really like four... <laughs> Um, and I think I like 76 even less. Um, uh, yeah, but, I steered clear of that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that is sort of the narratives that you, you're probably going to want to try and go for. And that's kind of what it looks like this game is, is mm-hmm. shooting for is either like your sort of dungeon crawly kind of stuff or your, your, you know, your Mad Max, this gang shows up in a town and there's a problem and they got to fix it kind of stories. Right. And yeah. usually that the way to fix it is through extreme violence. Hmm. Yeah. So speaking of what do you do in the game, I, I've just been taking a look and it looks like there's about 15 pages of GM advice. Yes. And a whole lot more of charts, tables and lists of things. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. It's like this is basically a dungeon crawl through the wasteland, mm-hmm. uh, with with some other stuff thrown on there. And there, I mean, there are a bunch of plot threads in, in the background section, so there are things to do to tie it together and make it more interesting on the character level. Because um, there's a whole ton of plot hooks in there, which is great. But then it kind of devolves into, but we're still going to be kind of crawling through here looking for all the stuff, which is the core activity of the game is picking up every bottle or whatever. Yep. Or bottle cap, at least. (laughs) (sighs) There are 16 pages of recipes (laughs) or... just different items, like actual like food items. I didn't armor, even see the recipes. <laughs> weapons, like the workbench and, and, and recipes. That's one the amount of GMing quote unquote advice. Yeah. Which is well presented. But 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 why? <laughs> well but yeah. It's again. It's mimicking a lot of the stuff that's actually in Fallout Four, like exactly. the tables again, of, of the magazines that the you source. can collect, yeah. and then all the various actual issues of the magazines are what's actually in the game. Yes. Uh, did they need to go to that extreme? I'm not 100 percent certain. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it doesn't make it worse. Uh, no, I, I would argue that it does. <laughs> I, I think the no. I think thing, the inventory problem already made it problematic. Yeah, because um, inventory I, I, and encumbrance are tedious. Yeah, I mean they they always they always are, and I I just think that I think Modifius knows that if they didn't put a lot of this stuff in here, they would get yep. all sorts of letters from yeah the yes the fans of Fallout that are really into. 
that part, like, oh, where are my fancy lad snack cakes? Exactly. Yes, so, why, why aren't they in the game? Yeah. So if you want something that lets you play around in the in the in the video game sandbox, this will do that. Mm-hmm. If you want something that's simply a post-apocalyptic Robin and you know economic horror, you want red markets. Right. Where it abstracts all this stuff and you've got like four or five things to keep track of, but it's easy because everything has ten charges. Yep. <laughs> There, there's other stuff like, again, maybe it's because we have much more familiar with red markets. Like, there is a random encounter table and a odd happen weird wasteland odd encounter table. Um, and those are good things, mostly. As they long are, as you don't overuse them. As long as you don't overuse them. <laughs> my chief thing is that I know there's already over. 400 pages in the book. Uh, but <laughs> the tables are only D20 tables and they're not 20 bespoke encounters. Uh, the Weird Wasteland is only six bespoke encounters. Really? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's. Pages through. So, so like again, maybe fine. we're just spoiled because we've had seen a D100 table. <laughs> for as well we should legs because that made it so much easier to plan for but like that's also a huge part of fallout is that right you are wandering around the wasteland and you encounter something that you haven't seen before uh, you know yep. you encounter a weird vault you encounter a weird but tableau extent, in you can also pull that from your gameplay experience and there is a a, a sizable chunk on the vaults yep i think yeah, that's true. The question is, how easy is it going to be to like actually use that in play? And that a lot of that comes down to book organization, mm-hmm. maybe more than, or at least as much as it does what's actually <coughs> in the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the the intro adventure seems a bit. Well, I think it's a bit long. I mean. It's- yeah, and it's it's appropriate to the material, but also it's a bit I don't know railroady. I want to say, but maybe I'm thinking about dude. Um, yeah, oh, I, I, guess it, I think I mean it dives right into the main conspiracy, which is not a bad thing. But at the start of a game, is that where you want to start? I mean, again, you're you're probably approaching this from a this is your first RPG, your first RPG after D&D. So having this sort of railroady, here's how this stuff is supposed to go down. Like, this is your typical sort of like Fallout adventure kind of situation is, you know, that's that's kind of what I would expect in a a packed in, in the book sort of adventure. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was either this one or Dune that had like a hard out, everyone dies kind of moment. It's like, that's not a good thing to put in the first adventure. <laughs> Pretty sure. Unless your also directive is don't do this. Yeah, hmm. I feel like that, that sounds much more of a Dune thing because Dune is very much. Yeah, a- I mean, it, you know, it's fine to say this would be an option you should strongly urge. You should take take the fourth wall away and say don't. <laughs> you know? Indeed. Because it's it's like the the Call of Cthulhu expedition where it's like everyone starts, you get out of the plane, you're there, uh, you know, in the ice, 
and someone slips and you all die. Mm-hmm. Well, that was interesting. No, it wasn't. So, um, at, at the same time, I remember again, it might have been dude where they're talking about don't make people roll unless it's interesting, which is solid advice, still is solid advice. I'm glad mm-hmm. they put it in there. Yep. I do find it interesting, and I I think I do kind of appreciate it, that they do include um, level zero skill tests as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the intended design philosophy, from what I've read, is that as the GM, you're essentially telling your player, you know, I'm letting you, you can have this. If you want to make the role, you're making a risk, but you but might you get, get something good out of it. Or you can get more action points out of it. Yeah. Or something you will get a negative consequence. Since it's a level zero skill check, it might not be much of anything, but it's still gonna be a negative consequence. Yeah. Can we talk about the system a little bit, the mechanics? Yes, please. Okay, so uh it's interesting. So I've never actually played the system, so I'll give that caveat. Um I think it, it seems like it it's an interesting to me, it reminds me of two things, primarily. It reminds me of World of Darkness, and it reminds me of Fate, which is an interesting combination of two different things, <laughs> which remind there, me of. There are definitely some, some fate, Fate-ish elements of it, which, yeah. when you look at the sheer number of skills, perks, and other things, is a little weird, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Not you're, Fate you're, in the sense of like everything simplified into like narrative beats. Right, <laughs> but fate in the sense of there is an economy of point spends between yes. the players and the GM, uh, and leading into your weaknesses right. is good. Yeah, uh, but uh, like it's it's done in a way more sort of like detailed, formalized fashion than than fate does. It's not like here you can spend it, you know, invoke an aspect plus two. It's yep. like uh, you can you can store up six of them, and you can spend you know one, two, or three of them to get these things, and you can get extra ones, and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, Which is maybe better for a really intro game if you've never done an RPG before. Yeah, well, I, you sort of have to have an idea of how things. Could yeah, flow. for sure. Well, to to say what it is flat out, you 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 mostly use D twenties. And it's the same across a lot of the other 2D20 systems. Uh, mm-hmm. Fallout does use D6s, whereas Dune does not. Um, mm-hmm. y- the GM will give you a skill roll, which is usually going to be an attribute, which is a stat, and then a skill, which is mm-hmm. a skill. Uh, That's what reminds me of, uh, of uh, World of Darkness, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you combine those two, and that is your target number. Um, yep. You are given a difficulty number, which is between one and five, really zero and five. And that's the number of successes you need. You then need to roll your dice pool, which starts at 2d20. (laughs) Um, But you can buy additional dice with the aforementioned action points. You roll the 2d20, you roll the d20s you have. Uh, If ones are crits in the system, and Mm -hmm. those count as two successes, uh, you also have certain special skills that can give you additional benefits. Uh, D20s are complications, which they're kind of critical fails. They're kind of not. I more see them as like the full intent is more like um, threat in like Genesis systems slash Star Wars. Yeah, it's a lot like that. 
Uh, you check your results and go from there. Uh, if you're doing damage, you then roll the d6s, which are a kind of fate die, except they've got four faces. They've got blank, a single shot, two shots, and a pit boy face. Um, and that determines how much physical damage you do. And then the game also has special dice, and one of them is a uh, hit location d20. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't get all the way down into the combat section because yeah, of but like, so, I so don't the difficulty layers go from zero to five. And yeah. so zero is gathering rumors. Okay, cool. Searching a room. Okay, good ideas. You want to be able to find the clues because not finding clues is boring. Shoot a target at close range or pick a simple lock. Okay, that's a one. Breaking down a reinforced door, treating injury two. Okay, now you've hit the number of dice you have initially. To yep, get beyond that, points. you need to be doing something that gets you extras. So, like rolling a one, which is a you know five percent chance, or or getting more dice by using those those action points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, identify a poison or deactivating a robot from behind is a three. Hacking a complex computer or disarming a landmine, which one would think wouldn't be quite that complicated, is a four, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. in order to do anything that is really, you know, challenging. Hard. <laughs> yeah. They get hard real fast because there's a big ramp up of needing five successes on five dice. Yeah. Wow. So, That's nigh impossible. Except, yeah. of course, you know, the ones and there's other ways to multiply right. that. But still, I don't know yeah. how it plays. I was going to say the same thing. So, um, cause so also they have the tag skill thing, which modifies this tags bit. basically means your, your, uh, your successes count double. So that does help you do that harder things help. with a, how, uh, having a things, but it only helps to a certain extent. And only I with mean, a very narrow set of skills. What, what are the things that made of skills? Yeah. One of the things that really made me think about this, I was like, like, what what are d20s as dice good at it's it's having a pretty high degree of granularity and result you can roll anything from a 1 to 20 at 20 different options yep they like instead of leaning on that uh they go like your difficulty is basically going to be 1 2 or 3 for almost everything right like you're almost never going to have a difficulty 4 or 5 because that's like really super difficult super duper hard to do and you should probably think about trying to do something else unless it's your tag skill Right, uh, but like, so there's not a lot of granularity in how hard it's going to be to do things. There's going to be a lot of granularity maybe in how good you are at doing things because mm-hmm. you have your your skills and your traits and all that stuff that you're adding together. So that's, that can vary between 1 and 20. But the number of successes you need is going to be like 1, 2, or 3. Yeah. So it's like, why you use D20s? Hope. If you're then going to be really non-granular in your like results system here i i'm just gonna accept the fact that they think people are gonna have d20s from that other game that they need to recycle so i they mean just maybe i mean there's something to that and d20s and, and it may be so they could have more granularity in this in the stats and it does let you have more granularity in the stats and i haven't played it so maybe the granularity in the stats really makes characters stand apart stand stand out from one another uh that's quite possible and uh, the whole idea seemed- of complications is is you know, that's standard in most modern games, so that's yeah. not bad. Um just seemed a little odd to me in in mm-hmm. so far as 
uh like the target difficulty there's it's so narrow you know, like the then the difference between a one and a two is going to be gigantic like yeah so, you know, one success <laughs> is much easier than two and two is much easier than five yeah, yeah. One thing I'll hand to one thing I'll hand to Dune is that it explains the difficulty, the differences in difficulty levels way better than Fallout does. Yes. If you look at if you look at the same page in Dune that like yes. does the exact same thing as that same page in Fallout, it's it, got it's, a lot more magnitude of difference. Its explanation is much better because it uses examples of doing the same task but more but a more difficult version of it. Yes, whereas Fallout gives you totally different tasks. Right. The the, the Test examples are from the video game, which is probably yeah. why. Uh, yep. Yeah, the Dune one is a lot more like pick a simple lock, pick a difficult lock, pick a difficult lock with time pressure, take a difficult lock with time pressure and no tools. That sort of thing. So it gives you uh, a, a better sense lock of, with your hands tied behind your back. Right. Yeah. Just your brain powers. <laughs> yes, just, just your mental abilities. <laughs> so Noah, you were talking about the action point economy a bit earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about the action points and how will they mimic how they are in the original games? Um, I mean, so they kind of, so in the games, they kind of moved action points from the, the original, just like being able to do an attack or move an attack, that sort of thing mm-hmm. to the vats. Vats is what largely uses uh, action points in the later games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it it kind of makes sense. It does kind of map to um, to what you would kind of expect out of, like, Fallout 1 and 2 um, a little bit. Again, most of the time, action points only ever really come in when you get into, like, a combat situation where it's like, oh, I get to attack this many times in this round. Um, that kind of deal, or, or you know, mm-hmm. video game wise. Uh, so th- in this one, so like you know, buying D twenties costs AP, obtaining information costs AP. You know, reducing the time something takes uh, costs AP. So it all kind yeah. of makes sense. It all kind of makes like a a you know an action economy that. When you're in a high stress situation, you're 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 spending these points to kind of give yourself a little a little boost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the action point thing came out with like XCOM in '94, and then Fallout right. One came out in '97. So I I yeah. think they certainly built off that that idea. Definitely. Um, definitely. And it, again, it makes sense in a computer game where you're trying to have simultaneous movement and. You know, how much can your character do in so much time if you've got so much speed, which is, you know, interesting tactically. I don't know that it translates well to a non-tactical game. I, I, do they, they don't have, like, maps or anything in this, do they? Uh, I don't believe don't so. Think I think so. this is all presented mostly as, like, theater of the mind style. Yeah, and more of a zone kind of combat rather than uh, you move X number of inches kind of combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, zone zones in combat, I think, are a little difficult to parse because they just like give you a generic range, not a specific range, which I think similar mm-hmm. to what uh, Ethan yep, was saying with zone. the um, sample difficulty levels, I think might be a bit hard for people to parse at times. Yep. 
thinking about ranges just made me think of the other one of the other um licensed RPGs I have that I have never played. I just have it because a friend of mine sent me a picture. I was like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll buy that. Uh, and that's the Hercules and Xena RPG. <laughs> There's one. Uh, yes, yes, there is. It comes in a box. Of course, there is. It's basically, a box game. Um, of course. The thing about it is that it comes with this GM screen, and on the GM screen, they literally have like examples of like distances, and one of them's like you know, very close, close, far, very far, mm. and the pictures are of of like, like a Sasquatch. Down like a kind of like clearing, so <laughs> very far is just like the Sasquatch way off in the distance by the tree lines. <laughs> uh, close it's an odd is, choice, like, but okay. And then, yeah, and then like very close is like he's taking up the full frame of the image. <laughs> That's one way of doing it. Like, that, that really fits the the, the tongue and cheekness of those shows, though. So that's yeah, oh yeah, that. totally, totally. And I love that image. And like, I was thinking about it. It's like if you have that set up in front of you, like a like a actual GM screen, that would actually kind of be helpful for the it players to kind of understand. Like, hey, this is what these distances actually kind of translate to. Where well, on page twenty eight, the distances are listed. Close. The we- uh, weapon is most effective against targets in the same zone. Medium. Weapon is most effective against targets in an adjacent zone. Long. The weapon is most effective against targets two zones away. So it sounds like you're juggling weapons depending on how, or or trying running around trying to stay X number of zones away depending on what you've got. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. But, doesn't sound. Like, easy <laughs> no it doesn't and again it's very much like hey the video game probably actually handles this a lot better because it's like oh i'm going i'm running into all these bandits so i'm gonna start with my rifle and pick a few off and then they're gonna see me and then, then as they get closer dodge. to me i'm gonna pull right, out yeah. my shotgun or like my pistol or whatever and right. like or I i'm gonna run behind the game. something and vanish yeah 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 i can Pause the game, go into my pit boy, pick a different gun, and not have to worry about it. This seems like much more uh-huh. of a kind of juggling everything, like you're saying. Right. Um, but also, you have more people at the table doing stuff, so you could have somebody who is taking care of the long range while somebody else is getting ready for like, the close true. range, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, in, in environment, okay. they say the intent is more like zones can be defined based on the area you're in. But by not having like specific meter examples, like I can appreciate it being flexible so you can choose the range rather than make things a bit more. Yeah. But at the same time, by not having something super specific, it can be a little bit harder to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Again, there's stuff like this where it's just sort of very abstracted compared to the charts and charts of, like, weapon mods and and traits you can all take. Just feels like a, or, a weird Or location-specific sort of damage that you can yeah. take. Yeah. Um, and, and, okay, so the radiation, which, of course, I'm going to pick at because I can. It, yeah, it works just like in the game. Folks, it doesn't work that way in real life. Just right. move on with it. <laughs> which that is the game. Which, as a reminder, that is your actual employment. <laughs> you you yes. know how this works. Uh, trying to extract, yep. abstract it, which 
overall, I mean, and I that's, think that's fine. It works for thematic stuff, but the problem is if someone's only experienced these ideas through media, then we get people that are terrified of their cell phones, which is not ideal. Right. <laughs> Unless overall, you're talking about driving and talking, don't do that. Anyway. Overall combat PSA over. seems fairly easy to rock. Uh, it's just as discussed before with equipment and especially with like varying ammo types and varying weapon types, it can get a little bit much there. But like I, how I, you actually run combat and just basing initiative off your literal initiative special stats and how you do combat at least seems fairly easy to ascertain. Yeah. I, I think though that you're gonna need everyone to be up on what their tag skills do oh, yeah. and what it's their gonna, perks do. Because the GM's not gonna be, be able to keep track of everything. Yeah, it's oh. gonna have to be the player's job to know everything about what their player's cap- that their character's capability is. <laughs> uh I'm I'm curious if does anybody know if they're releasing like an app to go along with this game? Um I I'm not, not sure. Know. I can double check. I will Google. Because I feel like this might be a situation where having like a an app or a uh, sort of self calculating character sheet would would make this a lot easier to sort of handle, especially for like new new oh, players. Yeah. There is some um, additional resources in a yes, game master. Fallout Wasteland Warfare app launches. Nice. That's from June 19, 2020. That might be for the board game. That sounds like it's for the board game, which I I thought I remember hearing them say that parts of that board game you can translate into this game back when they first announced this. (laughs) Because I think there are like minor role-playing things with like that, that war game, board game kind of thing. There are some additional resources in a Game Master toolkit. But um, I think that still hasn't fully been released yet. Okay. It's mostly like handouts and uh, right. Nuka tokens and stuff like that. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Fallout Wasteland Warfare roleplay expansion. But that, again, is that, the um, yeah, tabletop game. It's the board game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hopefully uh, one will be coming soon. Game, in fact. But I haven't seen anything in their blog or anything else intimating that. Uh, okay. I mean, I was so, just kind of curious if we had heard anything about that. Um, not yet, but that would definitely be something helpful for... Uh, I mean, e- even for something simple like Red Markets, a, a spreadsheet is still nice. It just it makes it so fast to iterate through character ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. We probably, yeah. and I hate to say this, should switch over to Dune. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, any final thoughts? thoughts with Fallout? It makes me want to play Fallout 4. It doesn't make me want to play this. But I'm not the target audience. Makes me want to play Red Markets. Red Markets is great. (laughs) Also that, but we are going to be playing Red Markets. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, you know, Red Markets, Apocalypse Worlds. There's been quite a few other games that have done this sort of thing. There was like a D20 game called Exodus that was literally just the original attempt at a Fallout RPG that they got the license stripped away from them, so they just made their own thing. I mean, um, there's also, of course, the original GURPS Wasteland problem, yes, which is where yes. all this came from. I was I was just about we, to we haven't got, We actually haven't covered that yet. 
<laughs> there, there was um, also, you know, hero games had post-apocalyptic hero, which actually was not bad. I was going to slide in on my science fiction game, but that fell apart so many years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, but yeah, like, I think if, if you really want to like have a go at all of these charts and stuff like that, go for it again, kind of echo Dan in, in it makes me just kind of want to go and play like one of the computer RPGs. I think Mm -hmm. two last things I would like to say about the book, uh, that are both positive. Uh, I think it's laid out really well. Uh, it's very pretty also good graphic design and really nice artwork, like really evokes the games a lot. Uh, really quite clear, honestly, when you actually get to the stat blocks of like NPCs and monsters and stuff, they're very legible and very like, compact and well-designed which is a rare thing like it's a far too rare thing to see so that actually makes the game makes the entire game probably way more usable as a just an in-game reference resource than it would be than than a lot of games are so i think i I concur i I think the book would actually as a reference in-game reference uh tool uh is very well designed and would work great for in-play so yeah, if you if you want to move from your fantasy twenty game to something more science fictiony with possibly some more plot depth and mm-hmm. options for for more interesting character arcs, this probably would fit the bill. Yeah. Um, they actually use experience points. Wow. Right. Anyway, and levels. That, that's also <laughs> and, again the video game. And I wish it wasn't uh, one other thing. I wish it wasn't so unique that I had to note it. But in the Game Master section, it also talks a lot about safety and consent at the table. Yes. They, and I thought that was like a really couple pages, section. but it's very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wish that was more common in games. So yes. It wasn't. I think it is becoming more common. It yeah. is. Uh, 100%. Yeah. But talking about like session zeros, talking about reading the room, talking about X card. Well, and script changes to, like to some extent, it doesn't need to be as common in games where you expect people have played before because they'll mm-hmm. probably have run into it already if they're playing with strangers, right? Uh, um, and but this is a good, you know, an intro kind of game like this is a great place to encounter that the mm-hmm. first time, yeah. And I guess my final thoughts, um, I did enjoy my time with the book, um, I actually did get my physical copy literally this afternoon <laughs> um, the physical book itself is really nice i think the pages are a bit thin paper stock for my taste but edgewise it's just as good in physical form as in pdf it's also got a bookmark which is nice mm-hmm. can't complain about the book well, i mean will it stop a post-apocalyptic bullet no because it's not red markets um, there we go <laughs> i definitely would like to try running the game at least once uh because I do enjoy fallout and I do enjoy this. Uh, I think another thing for me is like, I've heard fallout being done in RPGs before. Um, Our friends over at drunken ugly did their campaign, the happiest waste on earth in uh, fate core. And -hmm. I think just hearing a version of fallout before in a different system, having that compare and contrast. uh, I do think, 2d20 works all right it'll be interesting to see but just i think at times it's trying a bit too hard to mimic fallout as a game yes yeah 
But for what it is, it works perfectly fine, and just have to wait and see it in motion. As long as all I had to do is look at a character sheet that's pre-generated and figure out what the things I had do, I'd probably be okay with doing a one-shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's like, if I can ever run Flying Circus, I I would make sure I run it <laughs> and I have it in motion. Um, yeah. I mean, so, I, honestly, that's a lot more interesting, but yeah. <laughs> so I specifically asked for Fallout, and that was given, but they also did, get, did give me access to Dune Adventures <laughs> in the Imperium. Uh, so do you want to at least talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah. I believe uh, it's called Dunk. Hang on a second. I've got it open. <laughs> um, that is because uh, this is actually... Yeah. Um, this is officially licensed not just by the Herbert estate. Uh, well, I don't know that it's officially licensed. It's more along the lines of... I assume it, it is, but... Um, it, they are mentioned in the credits that the Herbert Properties team is referenced. It also references Gale Force Nine, which I uh, it's sublicensed. I think maybe they had a dude game. Yes, um, and the key thing, as with Noah's joke, it's also sublicensed by Legendary because mm-hmm. although they don't use any key art or promotional photos from the movie itself, um, it is very clearly. A product meant for the movie. Okay, Gale yeah. Force Nine is the board game. Yes. Yeah. So it looks like they're uh, sub license. Probably Gale Force Nine owns the license for all game related materials and something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I and, wouldn't know. And honestly, the board game sounds interesting if you've had too much time. I've heard really good things about the board game. I gotta say. <laughs> yes. But I I don't have that much time. Yeah. The thought of getting it out to the table seems so unlikely. Mm. So like a. Compare and contrast with Fallout and Dune as RPGs from Modiphius. Fallout, I think anybody could pick up Fallout and play it, even if you don't have as much familiarity with Fallout as an intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Dune, as I've said before, I have not read Dune. I am not familiar as much with the property, either through the books, the movies, anything else. Mm-hmm. I had a very difficult time reading the book, not because it's not, it's laid out poorly, not because, you know, bad kerning or bad font because it is so front loaded with lore lore. And yep. the lore is so important to how Dune works as a society and how Dune works as a story. As and a game. game really. Yeah. Yep. You kind of have to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. <laughs> It is a lot. lot. If here's the thing, if you've read the main, the only book that is Dune, I you know there's some other stuff in here from I don't know where, but the The only book book that is Dune, (laughs) right? Um, That's enough to figure out what the rest of the stuff that's going on is, and you can pull in details that you want or don't want and whatever. Mm. Um, But it does start with the known universe, and it does that because the first thing you have is creating your own house, so you're creating a non, you know, a non-licensed, as it were, unique minor noble house, which is, I think, a good way to approach this. Don't try and dive into this massive thing where some people have read some other things that are not the first book, and some people have only read the first book or none at all. But just, you know, create your own thing and just treat it as it's, you know, space imperium, okay? Which it is. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, Because the various factions are relatively clear when you get to looking through those. Without knowing a whole lot else about it. Yeah, I... Okay. So, so Dune, right? It's very much about the Atreides and the whole the whole Paul Atreides and and all that stuff. Well, I mean, it's really about you're a house in this empire, and there are all these factions playing off one another. You mean, you mean, but Noah's meaning the. the story of Dune yes. as a but, whole. And, and it focuses down on one house that is suddenly yes. yanked from their wonderfully convenient, comfortable water world and thrown right. onto this desert planet to deal with it. Right, right, right. It, it kind of comes off as like a lot of other, it, to me at least, it feels like you would have to have a very masterful GM to be able yes. to pull this off in an entertaining way that isn't just we're doing Dune again, or <laughs> why are we playing these other people who are not as interesting as the characters that are in Dune? This is one of the dangers, which is why, again, if you are if you just create your own thing off to the side, and yeah, yeah the, mm-hmm. the major houses are doing their thing, but you've got your own little intrigues, it could work. Which it gives you that could, option. But you also have to be very expert at, at pulling that off and, and still making yeah. it entertaining. It, it yeah it does it does set you up to do that I think um, again this is also written sort of as an intro RPG because it's like oh you like the licensed property and would like to know more and do game in there it's like okay I yeah. think this one would not be as good as an intro RPG I think it might be better as an advanced RPG. It might be okay as really an intro know what for doing. the players with a good GM. Yeah, I think a GM is going to have to. So, so Dune, Dune, I think is a much more focused game. Uh, mm-hmm. I would yes. say than than well, uh, Fallout is. Fallout's like it, uh, you got a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Everybody knows what that's like. Wander around, do cool stuff, get in adventures. Yep. Dune is like you are a noble house. You are in this this like really complicated political, economic, and sociological. Uh, context that all of your actions are going to be related to that context and if you don't understand that context you're not going to know what it is you're trying to do or how you can do it you know what this reminds me of is uh l5r yeah Mm. you need Mm. to understand what the different houses are in relationship to each other or the different factions more importantly in this yeah because you can have characters that are from one of these sub factions like priests or the navigators or whatever yeah working in with within the confines of they are being loaned to the the house yeah and that's all well and good and that gives you a bunch of variety i.e your character classes are really your different factions mm-hmm. but they're not all working towards the same thing exactly just sort of in parallel so yeah. again reminds me of red markets yeah they're your colleagues they're not your friends Well, this is a very... They're going to cause you stress. This is going to require a lot of, like, agreement among the playgroup about what kind of game they want to play and, like, what kind of objection they want to have and, like, how they're going to, like, make the... Like, like, because this, this game, one of the cool things about how you build your characters is that your characters are built around, like, their goals and their motivations. Yes. And their, like, ethos. 
rather yep. than like what they're good at. It's not so much like being strong or being like fast. It's like how much you care about justice. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I think that was a very interesting approach. That, yeah. You know, so there's things in here that make it so it could be playable or even interesting or good. But if you have a bunch of people that are unwilling to invest in reading anything, <laughs> I don't know, maybe most players you could get most rpgs these days um it's gonna be a tough sell yeah and you're, you're not gonna, you, everyone needs to have enough buy-in to know what their background means and what their choices meant yeah um yeah i mean same- they're gonna if you don't have a player who's in who's either already knows or is interested in learning at what a Benegesserit is and what yes. a mentot is yes. then you're gonna want to play a different game yes. <laughs> which hey real quick <laughs> Both of these games have Mentats in them. They do. <laughs> One's a pill. The other one's a different kind of pill. <laughs> hey oh. Nice. But uh, the other thing it does, interestingly, is that there's like the, um, the it, your character acting as an agent of the house mm-hmm. and moving at a more, you know, um, spider webby kind of position of, of controlling and pulling on things mm-hmm. versus acting as a character and doing directly doing things directly. Yeah. So, it, and I think there's also, isn't there something about troop play where you have some of the, like the minor characters that you'd be running possibly on some of the missions that the main characters have arranged for. Right. The supporting characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of troop style play like in ours magica. I was also going to say that also sounds kind of like, um, not blades in the dark, uh, band, band, band of blades. blades. Yes, where mm-hmm. you you have two basically two characters in Band of Blades, where you have your big important army leader per people, and then you have yep. the grunts that you get to play as. So. Well, okay, so so for for reference for people that have no idea what's in Dune, which is probably most people. anyway, um, Ars Magica, you you know everyone's got a wizard character, but you also have a companion character, i.e., the bard or the warrior or whatever that and. And then you've got like the grog level, the little the little guys, the 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 the, the guards, the cook, etc. And you play a variety of those. You're only likely to have one or two wizards on any particular, you know, outing event or whatever, unless they're basically sitting around in the castle talking to each other and negotiating things. So, you know, this strikes me as similar. You're going to have like, you know, your however many players you have main characters. But maybe one of them goes with, maybe none of them go with, and you're running all the the medium and little guys. Mm. And so that, I mean, that could also work for episodic play and some other things. But I don't know. I don't remember. Is there a faction system in this that lets you keep track of relationships? Like in Blades of the Dark? Well, there's your house, and your house has enemies and allies. Yeah, I'm thinking that if there isn't something as explicit as what they is for, you are this magnitude compared to these guys, and you now you're friendly or not as friendly, that would be a good tool to bring over and use. I, I expect that that's going to come in a later book. They say at the beginning of the chapter about creating houses that there's going to be more details on houses in a supplement. Yep. Yep. So I bet all that stuff, because is like how this is like the basic like how to define your house so you can get started playing Mm -hmm. the like really complicated political you know Mm -hmm. 
Well, and you know, the, so in the conflict chapter, they also they also break it down to dueling, skirmish, espionage, warfare, and intrigue. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, that's that that gives you some frame of reference for how to do these things. Yeah. And they also talk about assets like, like you know, war assets and so forth, which is similar to, I guess, what Jason was doing with the red markets combat, you know, combat level of play. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that sounds like it's workable. Um, yeah, I really like the uh, character creation uh, mm-hmm. tools in here, and I like the the way characters are set up. Yeah, I like I the mean, fact that drive statements are huge. That's, yeah, that's, like that's good because it gets you to gets the people playing to buy into what yeah. this is about. Yeah, compared to compared to uh, Fallout, I think yeah. Dune does a really good job of having the way you build your character. Uh, tell Affect you the story and how yeah. you're going to play your character. Yes. Like, like your, your characters, like the things that your character are, can do uh, and how they're going to do them and what their motivations are basically all come out of your character sheet in a way that I find very, very like easy to understand. Yes. Um, <clears throat> hmm. So I'm, I'm flipping through the, the book right now. And there's a lot less stuff. Yeah, it's more abstracted because, and it's more, and which to me helps all seem more purposeful. It's still got the two D twenty thing, and you've got momentum instead of action points. It all basically and the same. level zero yeah. challenges are there, so you can get the action points for when you need them, when you're doing something more difficult. I still, I don't know. Having not played it, I, I really don't know how well that works in play. I assume it works just fine because they keep doing it. You have to see it. You were saying Noah? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm flipping through the, the the book right now. I believe I am in the the GM's chapter, and I think this might be the first game I actually see address total party kill. <laughs> yes, they in, do in the book. Like this is the first time I can remember seeing it. I don't know if, it, if y'all have seen anything. But that's <laughs> I think I actually I've kind of interesting. Before I, I think in I've video seen it acknowledged first. in places, but to just flat out say like this is an option. That, yeah, yeah. This is something that can happen. Here's how you can deal with it. Like that's 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 interesting. And I do like the fact that you know the whole thing of Dune with the shields and lasers and oops, it's a nuclear explosion and just don't. Yeah, <laughs> all the characters are dead. Move on. <laughs> it's yeah. like okay, don't do this. We don't have it. It is not addressed in the setting. You can't. Right. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, you can't. It's just now you're all dead. Yeah. Um, I do also think that it's interesting that none of the actual book characters get artwork because yeah. they cannot afford that Oscar Isaac uh, <laughs> likeness rights. <laughs> or also, you know, it's also 100 pages shorter than Fallout. That's not true. a bad thing. True, yeah. true. That's also, a it's also point. a very pretty book as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I, very pretty. It's also very dense in my opinion mm. i think it yeah. is very dense i would actually say i think fallout is better laid out than this book is <laughs> because it's that's possible Dune is a lot but more it's dense yeah it, i'm not sure that you could do a better job of laying it out however i uh, no no the layout itself i'm don't i think is fine it's just it is very text heavy Yes. yes, the text is. Yes, there's there's sort of like less information, but better, more clearly presented because you could afford more white space in, in mm-hmm. Fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like this is very small font, in my opinion. It's very dense. And it's also like sans serif, so it, it all kind of 
seats yeah, together and are hard to yes. yeah. yeah. Especially when you're um, reading pages and pages and pages of lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and once again, uh, it's got a pretty good section on um, player comfort and mm-hmm. consent. Uh, in the GM section, well, it talks about making NPCs, and it actually has a, over a page and a half talking about diversity. They also talk about short versus long-term campaigns, so you can s- scale it to what you want to actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, quick tips. Don't demand improvisation from your players, which is foreign to us, but we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, they're going to have to work. But if this is the first time you've got these people to play a game that's not, say, I don't know, that that Fantasy 20 thing, mm-hmm. that's probably good advice. Like, some of them are going to be into it. Some of them are not. Know your know your audience is really what they're saying. Correct. That's always good advice. Yep. Keep the game enjoyable. Important hint, I guess. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> got to be told that. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, while you can expect intense drama, you and your players should always feel comfortable, which is that that is good advice because this is con- conceivably a game about backstabbing. Um, yeah, so Dune is actually, and, yeah, Dune is actually quite a dark setting. Like, yes. a bit. it's a it's honestly like from a like you know sort of an um, sort of a moral you know. Uh, in in the in the sort of in the sort of uh you know uh sense of 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 uh genre of like moral genre it's quite well, dark. I mean, yeah i mean fallout <laughs> is dark humor this yeah. is just yeah. but like it's very dark. like like everybody basically everybody in dune is very serious all the time uh because they're everything all about is, to die possibly. everything's yeah. very high stakes uh yep. like there's not like a real sense of like moral order to the universe it's very very like realpolitik competitive and like mm-hmm. everybody's very ruthless and like you can play guys who are like good but like mm-hmm. if you are like good guys you are in conflict with the with the tone of the setting and that's yeah. like very and, and that's clear. okay <laughs> yeah but you're I like gonna games, pay for and it i like games like that it's just yeah. very clear that that's kind it's, of that's that's the setting you're gonna get into here you're dealing with a lot of like clan and house politics very much you know, Holy Roman Empire in space sort of stuff going mm-hmm. on where it's all sorts of conniving and, and, and backstab. Well, I mean, they also have the scoping of it's local, it's a world game, it's a galaxy mm-hmm. game, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, good. So it can handle those things, it yeah. seems. Yeah, yeah. But um, in, a, in its sort of uh, general, like, setting focus, uh, mm-hmm. like, Dune is very cosmic, like, in its, in its oh, like, yes. setting... Uh, setting scope um and it has and it been like it goes back to the originals like that is that is a huge part of the original setting it's about yeah. basically a it's basically about a messiah who comes up and overthrows the entire well, order of the galaxy it, yeah so it's, it's, a very, about, very it's about a moment in time when when yeah. everything was under lockdown and it is what it is and people are somewhat miserable but they know what's going on and then suddenly everything is is pivoting yeah mm-hmm. and how that falls out is where the drama is yeah so like yeah house and, like your house level drama in this game is going to be on the sort of like galactic policy scale or not or it could be local yeah but like it's not really local like it's not probably going to be local <laughs> no no i mean like i said they have a local you know it's like is your is your game going to be local? yeah so you could just have a horrible couple of bureaucrats that are simply in your way and 
you know, yeah. depending on how local. Um, but it yeah, could potentially think, go all the way to the top. I, I, I was going to yeah. say, I don't, I don't think it's very likely for games to tend to be that way, though, because that it might the, be the most prudent course to avoid I, having to read too much. Of I think you're probably <laughs> right that it might be a more fun to play that game. <laughs> but I, I, I think the setting of Dune pushes you in the opposite direction. I, I can see you where you might like, play a couple of local games with minor characters escalating up to the, if you're really into yeah. it, escalating up to a world level and then escalating up to galactic yeah. level. Once you've but, got, everyone's got the same, I can't yeah. imagine a group staying together that long for this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you want to basically. I mean, maybe. I mean, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 oh, I'm going blank. Base Raiders. You know, what <laughs> Ross did with the Gate 9 yeah. game. Oh yeah, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they started out as little guys. They went to medium power and had a medium effect, and went to basically cosmic power. Yeah, right. And and so you can this would serve that sort of thing. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, a lot of the elements in Dune are these like people with like cosmically important superpowers, like they yep. can see the future or they have a plan to perfect the human race. <laughs> yep, that may have been running for generations <laughs> for like ten thousand years. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a yeah, it's a high scope type thing. Is like is where the where the setting leads toward, and it might be really fun to play like you know two guys, two guards on a planet <laughs> in that setting. But like the, right. the setting the wants you to moving. know, yeah, the setting wants you to know Wiley who players. the emperor is, <laughs> and then total party kill, which seems yeah. to be connected with Wiley players in my mind. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I it gives good advice on how to do this sort of political sort of thing and have it be comprehensible conflicts that are still manageable at the table level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at least as good as I've seen. Um, I guess the only other thing I could compare it to um, would be something like Negalitsu uh, using ra- um, rain. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, where you've got... It- actually, it, again, you know what? You would run, run rain instead of Dune and save yourself a whole bunch of pages. <laughs> but, but, you know, do you, you could use the setting there. It's, I don't know. It, yeah, totally. It's not a again. It's not a bad book. They did. They didn't screw this up. That's as good as I think you could do it, and do what they're trying to do. It's ambitious. Definitely, definitely. And you know, they really got to get that that nice tie in to the uh, the the movie coming out. Mm-hmm. So and the board game and the board game. Yes. And you know what? I mean, hey, if Wingspan is the breakout board game that got birders involved in board gaming. Who knows? Maybe this will get some movie and board gamers involved in RPGs in a good way? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Um, it is a game I would never have bought myself because I know better, but you know, <laughs> again, we've been doing this a long time. It's like, uh, uh, no one's going to read this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, ultimately, I I don't know that we'll run Dune. Because at least for me personally, again, I have such little knowledge of the base product that I don't know how well I can emulate it in an RPG. Yeah, <laughs> even um, with have, even after even after having read three hundred thirty nine pages worth of book. I mean, let's let's face it, Greg. What, your 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 sort of court level intrigue kind of game is Pet Dragon, right? <laughs> 
It's um, guided by, you know, chivalry and virtue and all those other things. <laughs> and I'm cool. Pendragon is a great game. Mm-hmm. It's a little crusty around the edges because it's so old, but it's still right, a great right, game. Right. Um, they do have something you won't find in Pendragon, although they had hints of it. Managing diversity. Um, sexuality and romance can look different between characters. It's just like, okay, good. They, they address a lot of the sorts of things that should come up in a dramatic sort of game. Right. Um, and it's not just about running around on the map, killing more things. So that's, I think good. Yes, definitely. And, you know, again, it fits, it fits the setting just like fallout fits the setting of wander around and deal with the you know, things that have been buried for ages that are really horrible that pop up. And also a subsection on respecting people and their cultures, which yep. considering Dune is based is, on a lot of Middle Eastern. Was it written stuff. in the 50s or 60s? Yeah, it's, it's yes. yeah. It's late 60s. So uh, very good to address that up front. Just get it. It's like, look. It's a reality. You may only be familiar with one or two cultures. And yes, you, you may be familiar with tropes from movies or stories, but but be respectful because if you stop and think about it, oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Frank Herbert was a white guy in Oregon, I believe. <laughs> yeah. When he when wrote he's... all of this. So, yeah, there's definitely some uh some more nuanced ways you can handle a lot of these these topics and sort of ideas that uh yes. he came up with. Mm. Yes. Also he wrote a bunch of books and only one of them was good. <laughs> also that. <laughs> Fair enough. Actually I've heard okay things about some of his non-dude books. Oh I, I don't I don't I know about his non-dude books. Yeah. It was originally I'd... published in it is it is uh, older than I am. It was published in August 1965. I do not have opinions about his non-Dune books. <laughs> uh, neither do I. <laughs> I don't have opinions. Uh, on- I did hear yeah. Don't Read Beyond the First One when I was in high school, and I did not listen, and I should have. <laughs> I didn't make it be... It was the first series I just like, nope, I'm checking out. Done now. After like two books or three. Yeah. It just did... It, it did the other books didn't do the same thing the first one did, which is great world building, interesting setting. And characters you, know, you care about. <laughs> and, and characters you care about. It's it's a political moment that's pivotal to changing what was and what will be. So all of which are are, you know, great story, you know, epic building kind of moments. And then da 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 magic children. What? <laughs> I'm just blanking. I blanked most of that from my mind until people, until I saw some of the stuff in the ears. Like, no, no, I must forget. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, any final thoughts on Dune? Um. Oh yeah. So one more. So, like Ars Magic and probably the White Wolf stuff, the house ties to the character abilities and what matters to the characters and. So that's, you know, it's an established thing that's worked well in other RPGs. Mm-hmm. Good to recycle that. Um, not really practical to recycle that so much in something like Fallout, which is more, well, we'd like to eat. We got some guns. Okay, fair. <laughs> but you're not going to also deal with this, this. 
it will be hard to deal with the same sorts of scope of, of conspiracy and politics and so forth. Then again, that also might be, you know, policy and scope and manipulation might be a little bit too triggery these days. Because, you know, reality. It's it's especially a bit harder to do in Fallout because Fallout is more designed for like a personal story, mm, whereas yes. again, as discussed, Dune is more galaxy-reaching tales, or, or potentially. Yeah. But you know, why not both? You know, yeah. both your objectives and your individual characters. Yeah, I would say I really like the. There's a lot of stuff I like about Dune, actually. Um, about the game, I'm, yes. Yeah, even though I'm not a huge fan of the uh, setting. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the, the setting think, goes well with the sort of things they're trying right. to do with it. The game does a really good job, I think, of uh, focusing, uh, using its mechanics to focus you into the setting mm-hmm. so that you tell stories that make sense within that setting and that the settings related to. I think the character creation designs and how your stats work as characters is really cool. And I'd like to see that, uh, mm-hmm. in other contexts. Yeah. I um, mean, they've got the skills, the drives, difficulties. And, yeah. The drive, and, the drives and then, in particular. And then, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like the, the, the drives and so forth, the trail of Cthulhu, which I thought was a great addition. It's like, yeah. okay, players are going to be resistant to diving into doing something stupid. Don't mm-hmm. let them push on the characters drive. Like, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And uh, overall, I really, overall, I like the design of it. I think it's, uh, I think it communicates what it's trying to communicate really well. And I would, Mm -hmm. I would actually like to play this game. Uh, Although I might like to play it in a setting that isn't a a game that's like this that isn't Dune. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you might as well play it in Dune, but make it smaller scale on one planet, do a local thing, see if it's playable. Yeah. If you're going to do it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not going to be. It's a lot more work than. Yeah. As we got older, lighter RPGs became more attractive because they're easier to fit into the time available. I think this is actually a lighter weight system than than Fallout is by a lot. Yes. Uh, It still it still has a a bit of complexity and crunch to it when you have a a big list of skills and a bunch of superpowers that people can have. And again, players must know what their characters can do and must understand what their choices and goals and so forth mean dune has dune by the way as a setting has a very like it has a distinctive thing because it's like most people don't really have any superpowers they're just like normal people but then mm-hmm. some people really do have serious hardcore and, superpowers and that's also okay and they address the fact that yeah. don't even try and balance it i think yeah <laughs> and that's fine so yeah um. So yeah, so both very pretty books, both mm-hmm. um, sort of oriented towards giving good starting advice. Dune being the sort of thing where if you're trying to improve your GMing, this might be the step up game rather than the first game you'd want to try and game master. Mm-hmm. But for players, I think the advice is sufficient. You could probably do it again with a GM that uh, you know knows it if you're willing to do the if everyone's willing to do enough work. Mm-hmm. Um. You can you yeah. can absolutely run something that has nothing to do with Arrakis or Worms mm-hmm. or uh, Atreides or Harkonnen, and I mm-hmm. almost think that would be best. Yeah, yeah agreed. 
Um, much like licensed properties, much like I guess the Avatar game is steering clear of, well, they're in the game. You could talk to them, but your character should be the focus, which is absolutely yeah. correct. No one likes to sit around while the GM talks to themselves in three different characters. Right. Yep. Similar to Doing Star Trek. Box text you can't interrupt. Similar to Star Trek, similar to Star Wars, you know. Yep. They might at times stand out and reference the core characters, but. Oh, they did the stand out to, the core characters here. The, po- the point is to tell your own story. Yes. Mm hmm. So. Um, so on one last digression back to the beginning, I did realize, oh, wait, there are several licensed games I, I have either played or would like to, which is the Amber Diceless game was great with a good GM. Played mm-hmm. that for a while. Well worth it. Interesting thing. If you've read the books and you have a good GM, it's definitely was a playable kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, very, it also very unique for the era when I played it, which is a while ago. Um, Dying Earth by Robin Laws and surprisingly also Gay and Reach by Robin Laws, both based on Jack Vance properties. Oh, yeah. Both do what they say on the tin. If you wanted to have a bantery game uh, about ne'er do wells not being quite as awful as the people they run into, Dying Earth will do you. If you want a revenge thing across the galaxy with really oddly named things and surprising situations and everyone uniform and their hate for the guy you're trying to get gay and reach will do its thing. Yeah. Um, they're a lot shorter. Yeah. turns out Robin laws really knows how to emulate uh formalist <laughs> formalistically emulate genres. Yeah. <laughs> weird. It's like, that's his, his skill set. <laughs> like he's good at that and to make it as simple as possible. So people yeah. could play it. Right. Um, so anyway, but you know, if you like either of these intellectual properties and you have played some RPGs, mm-hmm. and especially in the case of Dude, have run some and you want to do something harder, it could work. I think particularly if you like Dune, then this is yes. a good this is a right. I think yes. this is objectively a really good Dune RPG. Yes. For what it's I, I, honestly the Fallout one's a really good Fallout one if you want to have the game experience. Yeah. Maybe. Whereas if you wanted to have the game story experience in that setting, I don't know that you need all the crunch and fluff. Mm-hmm. I think having that background information might be great, but then use anything else that's simpler. Fate, red market, something. But mm-hmm. there's just so much equipment. I'm sorry. I, I, I burned out of that stuff a while ago. Mm. Yeah. But both games are trying to do two. Very different things, and yes, and I think they they're also that also shows a variability in their in the guys that that put these together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there's definitely some good good, good solid RPG design skill at, at Modiphius. I'd like to see I'd like to see this uh, more con- more context for the uh, the core mechanic too. It seems it seems flexible and pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I mean, did did they do the? Um, uh, what the heck is it called? The one with the big, the circle research place, what do you call it, with the kids. Oh, did it t- tell Tales from the Loop? Loop? Yes. No, I don't think so. That's not them? 
Let me double okay. check. But uh, I'm pretty sure they're not. There is some weirdness with Modifius and uh, Free League, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, there's Free League and Modifius, and they they partner up a lot. I forget which one. One of them basically like helps publish and distribute the other one's games. I believe mm-hmm. hmm. there's yeah, it's a little. It's a little murky to me the last time I looked into it. Um, it looks like they've, they've used 2D20 for Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition, Robert E. Howard's Conan, yep. Infinity. I forgot they even does that. that John know. Carter, Warlord of Mars. I might like to see how it, does, how it works in Conan. I imagine that's probably a more stripped-down uh, version, I would hope. Yeah. Also, I've got at some point someone did a D twenty spinoff back in the th- you know three point five days. So I've got somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah. But I was mostly looking for sorts of things I could suck into a sword sorcery game. <laughs> Swords of the Serpentine, a laid out version, is finally out. So that's hopefully going to publish soon. Hopefully, <laughs> which is a Pelgrane thing. Yeah, and probably the optimum for doing swords and sorcery of a investigative or thriller nature mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, might, it may also do some of the political things here i i don't know <laughs> i know that was part of the intent when they set it up yeah i meant to back that humble bundle back when um for the conan video game that also included some of the conan rpg mm-hmm. books uh, but i forgot to back that humble bundle um i did back the humble bundle they did a while back that was like the entire star trek adventures game line. <laughs> uh so oh. I have read a bit of that and it does seem to be very similar in how it um interacts with both Apparently, Star Trek's lore and Dude had a thing in 2020 where the main designer separated from the game because reasons. Hmm. Uh, I do not know about that. Huh. But uh Yeah. At the end of the yep. day, um, thank you very much to Modifius for giving us these review copies. Uh, for sure. Yes. It's definitely um, glad to and, and prove the books. Hopefully we've fun. given it a fair appraisal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, hopefully at some point we'll give at least, I can at least run a fallout one shot. Uh, Dune yep. might be other members of the podcast <laughs> unless I start reading the books. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't no. there's like only one book. You keep making the mistakes. Only the book. The book. <laughs> it might as well be two or three. It's a little slow going at times. <laughs> um, it is, but it's not that long compared to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, that's um, not a good comparison, is it? No. <laughs> it's not that long compared to Name of the Wind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely think Modifius did a very good job with both of these books. I just think. Uh, Dune is not particularly a setting I really want to play a game in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fallout, I could see myself playing a Fallout RPG. I could see myself potentially playing this one, but for the most part, I think I would just kind of prefer the video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that is not to say that these games are not well made or mm. not, you know, well so, put together. So speaking of White Wolf, apparently Modifius has inherited vamp- fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade after the um, issues with yes. the, yeah, yes. oh okay, 
Um, and they have Dishonored and Homeworld games too. So license seems to be their thing. Plus, they've also done uh, Action Cthulhu, which yeah. Oh, oh did they? Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, Octon. which is basically just Call of Cthulhu setting. <laughs> yes, pretty much. It's its um, own game, but just World War Two. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much mm-hmm. slightly after Trail. I mean it's Delta Green, you know, starts to you know love the you know, era. Yeah. Um. Uh, no, they they did Mutant Year Zero, which is also oh, yeah. okay. They, they they I knew they'd done something. I'd... Yeah. Again, um, that might be a better video game, which I did quite enjoy as a tactical exercise. Um, I actually have some some Barum, which is I think more free league, but oh, yeah. it's a very mm-hmm. pretty book. I have not looked at the rules in a fairly long time, but it is a very good looking, very interesting. Sort of setting. Uh, uh, yeah, indeed. I think that's all I got personally. Same here. All right. Um, you can find uh, both books are available on Drive Through as PDFs. Uh, the physical books and PDFs are also available on Modifius's website, which I'll yep. make sure to have links in the show notes. So, uh, thanks again, and it was uh, thank you all for joining me for this. Was glad to have people to bounce ideas off of and share yeah, what we thought of these books. It was a good time. Yes, yep. it was very interesting. Uh, Thanks a lot. Yep. Uh, yep. Noah, remind the good listeners where they can find you. Oh, okay. Um, if you're doing plugs, uh, hi, I'm Noah. I do <laughs> a podcast with my friend Aaron J. Shelton, who is also an alumnus of this here podcast. Uh, <laughs> We called uh, Thinking Too Hard about anime, where him and I uh, go episode by episode through an animated series, or in the case of our latest season, go series by series, movie by movie, through a particular anime creator, uh, and and just kind of talk about it. Talk about the, it's a little bit of a, you know, film analysis, a little bit of history, a little bit of trivia, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. We try and put out episodes at least once a month, typically a third Thursday. So check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Kamen Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U, uh, where I mainly retweet stuff. Um, yeah. If you want to tell me how wrong I am about my opinions on this RPG, you can go there. <laughs> Hopefully no need to, but that is where you can find him. Well, thank you all for joining me. Thanks again to Modifius, and thank you for listening. Good night, Internet. Good night, Internet. Good night, Internet. Good night, Internet.